Mini-episode 1541 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at Sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late-night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini-episode 1541. This is FDH managing partner Rick Morris here with you. And we have a very special treat Two of our favorite FDH Lounge dignitaries. We had them on together for the first time together very recently, and uh, it was a preview of the 2022 World Series. And we come back now for a review of the 2022 World Series. And I start with uh, my friend that I used to sidekick for doing baseball back at the old Sports Talk Network on the late lamented Life's a Pitch with Ken Detweiler program, uh, the, the titular host of that show, uh, the man who uh, I, I had a lot of great time sidekicking uh, with, along with uh, our great uh, late friend uh, Don Coster, uh, the three of us doing a lot of uh, baseball talk back in the day, and I am so pleased that over a period of time that has continued here on this show with the one and only Ken Detweiler. Uh, Coach, good to have you back on, my man. Well, thank you, my friend, and it's good to, to have some fun here with Joe, too, tonight. Uh, so it was, uh, I thought this was the best of three, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll be getting into questions of format, uh, certainly. And uh, another of our favorite... FDH Lounge dignitaries uh, going back over a period of time as far back as our days at the Sports Talk Network. And I think some of our initial talks actually may have been in the wake of the last great Phillies run that happened. Uh, I seem to remember uh, potentially as far back as 08, 09 uh, with uh, this gentleman. But uh, my great friend, uh, longtime Philadelphia veteran of TV and radio, Joe Stazak. Uh, Joe... Uh, I know tough times here. This was a thing where, again, you knew the deck was stacked going in. I liken this too with my Cavs in, in 2017. 2018, I think, was a foregone conclusion. But 2017, it was way uphill, no margin of error, at least theoretically possible here. And then, of course, I had to face the music afterwards with you and uh, Callis doing a <laughs> recap. And that was that was a dark moment for me. You seem like you're in a better mood now than I was then, so I'm glad that's the case. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't watch another game. It was painful. I got to be honest. I think the way that after Game Five, Game Five will probably go down as you guys don't remember because you're not from here. But there was a game in 1977 we call Black Friday. Um, it was the NLCS. There were two outs away from taking a two games to one lead. The Dodgers two run lead. And then it collapsed. An error here, a bad call there. Manny Mota pitch hits off the of regulars into Gutsky's glove. It was just a lot of things happened. This was it was kind of nightmarish on in Game Five that really you know forget about the no hitter. I didn't mind. The, well, 
wasn't fun to watch, but I mean, it's one game, and the baseball players—they're not lying to you. I've covered them, I've been with them, I've traveled with them. It's—they play 162 games. It's like every day is another day, and they wipe the slate clean. Blah blah blah. And Kyle Schwarber, I love the fact that he was the one they they, they kept showing that soundbite where he goes, well, "I don't really give a bleep," and the next day first at bat against Justin Verliner smokes a home run to kind of like you know kind of validate what he's talking about. Of course, that was. That was pretty much all they did, but um, I thought Game Five. Game Five was really, I mean, almost by definition, it's a swing game. But the fact they had so many opportunities and they the bats just went cold since that barrage last Tuesday night, the five home run game. And uh, I, there's a theory floating around that they, you know, kind of, you know, got a little were smelling themselves a little bit and thought that was so much fun. Let's swing for the fences every time. And they end up batting zero, uh, 0-91. 0-9-2, actually. They batted for the rest of the series. The last three games, nine hits and 98 at-bats, you know, since that uh, home run barrage that gave the Phils a two games to one lead. Despite all that, they had a two-game, they had a one-run lead in game six, you know, trying to send it to game seven. Despite how 40 they hit, they struck out 71 times. You know, uh, Real Muto, Hoskins, and... Uh, Castellanos uh, were horrible. They were, uh, in the three games I mentioned, games uh, four, five, and six, one for 36 with 17 strikeouts. How's that sit with you? One for 36 with 17 strikeouts wow. since since game three. It was it was just so, as painful as it was, it's almost like, I, need, I, I, can't, I can't watch any more of this. They can't strike out, strike out, strike out. Two men, two men on base, strike out. They left so many on base against Verlander. They had opportunities, you know, in game five. Didn't cash in after that Kyle Schwarber home run. It was it was really frustrating around here. And I think I think they still had an opportunity. Again, wiped the slate clean. But, I mean, even in game five, you can see that the, Houston was better. Look, look you know, Hoskins yeah. bobbled the ball at first in the eighth inning that gave Houston the third run. And uh, their guy um, comes off the bench. Uh, Henry Mancini, whatever his name is, no, Trey Mancini, <laughs> and uh, he gets, you know, uh, 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 the, the ball, I mean, it, was, it was a nice play. The ball might have played him, he might have played it, but it doesn't matter, you know, right into his glove. I also thought they didn't get any breaks. You know, a couple inches here or there in that, in game six, the ball's down the line, didn't happen. The ball, uh, Sosa's ball, another foot higher, maybe an extra base hit or a home run, a three-run home run in the early going, might change complexion with Wheeler, you know, uh, mowing folks down. And then the Real Muto one in the ninth inning of game five where Chas McCormick makes a phenomenal play. But again, another foot, but again, that's baseball, that's the way it is. But the Astros, at the end of the day, made more plays and had more, more key hits than the Phillies because from the fifth inning of game one, to the eighth inning of Game Five, the Phillies were 0 for 20 with runners in scoring position, and they were third in the National League this year behind the Astros and the Dodgers. They actually hit well with runners in scoring position this year. Couldn't get it done if their life depended on. Hey, credit to the Astros, but I don't think the the Phillies did themselves any favor with some of their horrible at bats from games four through six. Well, and before I pivot to Ken, I want to ask you a follow-up there, Joe, because, again, sure. we talked about this coming into the World Series when I had raised uh, comparisons with the 93 team and, uh, and what it yep. had in common with this year's team uh, in terms of who they were facing. 
A great team across the diamond, one that had won the pennant the previous year. The difference is that the Blue Jays had won the World Series the previous year. Sure. The Astros came up short. So in both cases, they were facing a juggernaut team because we remember that Toronto team as being really great, and we're going to remember this Astros team down the line in the same light. And it's one of these things where, and this is more just sort of a feel kind of a question on my part in terms of looking at it, but this this Philadelphia team, we talked about it coming in that, again, notwithstanding the fact that uh, Castellano started impersonating a gold glove winner there towards the end of the postseason, <laughs> that was unexpected. Didn't, didn't have that one on, on my bingo card. Nor, nor, nor did I have Mattress Mac becoming public enemy number one in eastern Pennsylvania on my 2022 <laughs> bingo card. But the, the defense for, the, for Philadelphia through the course of the year was left wanting. Uh, it's a team that, again, had great power potential, and basically it was like watching clubbing of baby seals, them against uh, St. Louis once they got it going, them against Atlanta, them against San Diego, and it's one of these things where in order for them to win, I come back to the whole thing of a puncher's chance. They had a puncher's chance, but they had to basically turn it into like a slow-pitch softball game, didn't they? Like they did throughout the previous games in October. And against a team like Houston that is so loaded, uh, and they have an excellent lineup, but even more so than that, their pitching staff, both starting pitchers and bullpen, turning it into a slow-pitch softball match against those guys is nigh unto impossible, I think. Uh, it was, it was, it was, you know, it was rough, but there was, the opportunities were there, and that's yes. what frustrates the Phillies fans because you know they had Verlander on the ropes almost every inning, except yes. the rallies came with two outs, and then there'd be a strikeout or Castellanos would hit the hit a grounder to the second, an easy grounder, or, or Pena would gobble up a ground ball, and it was just, it's just so frustrating, and then. You get to the eighth inning of that game where they score a run to the proximity run, first and third with one out, and I know they're they're facing the closer. Uh, Brad Marsh made or Brad Marsh played for the Flyers back in the day. What's his name? Brandon Marsh, uh, one of the worst at bats of the probably the worst at bats of the series. You know, you need to get a fly ball, a grounder to the right side, something, three pitches. Three swings, he's out, punches him out, and then there's one, you know, then there's two outs left. You don't have to you know, send, send the infielders back to normal depth. And, you know, I think they got a grounder or a fly ball to end the game. It was only fitting that Castellanos flied out foul down the uh, right field line to end the World Series in game six. But it was, it was, it was just, it was frustrating. You know, it, uh, you, we mentioned the 93 series. People mm-hmm. remember Joe Carter. Yeah. People forget the swing, the swing, oh, the yeah. nightmare, the nightmare in that series wasn't Joe Carter. It was game four. The Phils had a chance to tie it home, uh, in, and they had Schilling going in the next night, so they had an, a good chance to send that series back to uh, Toronto, up three games to two. It's two to one, the Blue Jays, and the Phillies had a five-run lead in the eighth inning. And Mitch Wood, they, they were out of arms, and Mitch Williams was, you know, throwing slow fastballs. And, you know, that, that team was loaded. Devon White and Ricky Henderson, John Olderud, you know, uh, Paul Molitor hit like 600 in the series, and they got six runs, and that was it. Of course, next night, Schilling throws a five-hit shutout, and that, you know, kept the series alive and sent it back, you know, to Toronto for the Joe Carter. But that was the nightmare game, and people forget about that. I, I don't. I was there. I saw Dykstra hit two home runs place was rock and blah 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 to, to me it had that same feel in game five the other night they had opportunities 
But again, you know, Houston made a few more plays. Listen, Jose Altuve, no RBIs in the playoffs. None. Zero. Yeah. You know, he's a guy, every time I looked up in the last few years, he's hitting a home run in the postseason. He's, he's just, you know, bombing away. I mean, he, he uh-huh. did do some damage with, you know, a couple extra base, extra base hits here. He got, he got the game going against the Wheeler in game two, which was also a critical game. Remember, the Phillies have a one-game-to-none lead. They stole game one, and they have their ace on the hill. And for some reason, he's now throwing at 95 instead of 98. You know, what happened there? Because he was humming the other night. He had that live arm back. I had no, I have no idea what happened in game two. But also, that could have been a game that sends it back to Philly with uh, two games-to-none lead. I don't know if Houston comes back from that. But again, i got to give Houston credit. They're loaded. It's top-to-bottom. And they got, you know, uh, uh, they replaced Alex Correa with a rookie who, who was MVP of the World Series. He had 400 in critical plays, a uh, catch here, a home run there. And, you know, they, they, they made more plays. What, what are you going to do? They, they were they were the better team coming in on paper, and they played uh, a little better than uh, the Phillies and pitched a little better because well, the Phillies pitching outside the – think about this. Their two aces, quote-unquote, Wheeler and Nola – took all four losses in the series. So they, they won the games they won were when those guys didn't start. <laughs> and we're yeah. like, what? If you told me that before, what? How are they in this series? And it's a shame because they didn't get it. They didn't get much help from Aaron. All he fizzled. And Wheeler was very good in the second game, not so much in the first. And they yank him in the second game. <laughs> what? He's throwing 98 still. Oh, you know, Alvarado, Alvarado came in three games earlier and hits the first guy with the bases loaded. I mean, he looked a little shaky. You know, I, don't, I, I question that move. And, of course, it's easy to question that now that Alvarado hit a ball that, again, if the, if the stadium's not there, it's still going. Uh, but if he if he doesn't do that, then, oh, yeah, maybe he made the right move. No, I thought that was a bad move at the time. I had no idea why he was getting yanked. And even Wheeler said the same thing. Didn't throw his manager under the bus, was like, yeah, that kind of caught me off guard. I think he wanted to say, like, what the hell was that? Yeah. Because he, he was dealing. He was dealing. Oh, and yeah. And too, I, much, too, much, too, too much tinkering, analytics, crap. You know, that was, that was, he's been good. He's pushed a lot of the right buttons. That was not one to miss on. And he missed. I uh, want, uh, Thompson. I want to revisit that point uh, subsequently here. A uh, 93 series, uh, before I turn to Ken, I think there was, uh, wasn't there like a crazy 16 to 14 game in there also? I remember. That was that. the game I'm talking about. Okay. 15 to 14. Okay. They were up 14 to 9. <laughs> Dykstra had the two home runs heading. It was the eighth inning. They had six outs to go up 14 to 9. And they, it was like batting practice. Yeah. Was, I mean, Mitch was throwing like fastballs at 82 miles an hour, and they had no one left, and it was awful. It crazy. was just awful. Crazy. Crazy. It, that was the one. It was rainy. There was a rain delay. Yep. It was. It was bad. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, and good it, memory because a lot of people don't even talk about that. Oh, Joe Carter. What do you mean, Joe Carter? The series ended when when they came back <laughs> five down in the eighth inning. You give me Joe Carter. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. But well, anyway, it not was, that I'm still mad about it. Well, I I, I would ascribe that to the. Uh, uh, what, what was the movie Big Daddy by uh, Adam Sandler? Uh, that was the one uh, that uh, immortalized that, I believe, in pop culture. So they they weren't talking about the fifteen to fourteen game in that movie, uh, but uh, as, as far as it, you know, Ken, as far as '90s World Series go, the play at first base with Mancini, you were probably thinking the same thing I was. Herbert Perry in '95, the game, the play that sealed Game Three. And that was one where, I got to tell you, Ken, my dear, beloved uh, mother missed that one because 
She went to bed early. She was like, this is going to be like 1954 all over again. We're going to get swept. It's going to be humiliating. <laughs> she missed it. I, oh, had to, no. I had to tell her about it the next day. But I mean, oh. I, I just have to ask you, Ken, was that flashing through your mind when you saw that? I got to think any Clevelander was thinking that when, uh, when Mancini made that play. Yeah, but, you know, again, I was conflicted on a couple of these guys, like Dusty, which I'm sure we're going to talk about sure. at some point. But your heart has to go out to Mancini, uh, yeah. just as, from what, what he went through. But, yeah, oh, yeah, when just like Joe, we all have our teams, we all have our loves, we all have our Joe Carter stories. Yes. And uh, it's just, uh, and it kills you, but that's why we're fans. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean yep. Good God. I mean, this is a, something for another day, perhaps, to, to talk about. But I'm, I'm getting to the point where, and maybe I'm just that guy to get off my lawn again, guy. But um, why are we playing in November? Although I know this year was unique, and when you had the labor issues and stuff like that. But I'm tired of November baseball. Uh, That's a good question. Why, why do we? Why uh, I forgot what happened at the beginning of the season. Was it the labor issue that pushed it back a little bit? Yes, yes, yeah. it was. Okay. And so I'm that's. Thinking, I think here we are coming into Thanksgiving. The only thing right? I want to see that's that's a ball is a nice dressing ball with some gravy on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, look, this has happened other years. I mean, this has happened other times. I think it was 01 that was the first time it went into November. I seem to remember Yankees and Diamondbacks that they, they said that uh, this was the first time for a chance for someone to become Mr. November. I seem to recall that was the year. Oh, so. yeah, 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 it's, right, sure. It's happened before, but I would agree yeah. on that. And, uh, Ken, before I pivot to some of the other subjects here, just to ask you a little bit about what we were talking about with Joe here in terms of the various aspects of the series in terms of for a team like Philadelphia uh, with the imperfections that they had certainly not a bad team but facing a juggernaut in Houston it's a relative kind of a situation an 87 win team against the mighty mighty Astros what were some things that you were looking at from your perspective we've talked about it before your five decades plus in baseball what were some things that you were seeing that ultimately took Philadelphia out of it. Because, again, I, I went into it saying they have no margin for error. They have a puncher's chance they can do it. And as Joe illustrated, there were those opportunities there. But what were you thinking, and particularly as someone who had become a Phillies partisan here with them playing uh, Houston with your antipathy, which you share with Steve Callis uh, towards uh, yeah. the Astros, what were you thinking as you were watching it play out and as these chances were getting away from Philadelphia? Well, like we've all agreed, the better team won as it ended up. Uh, they were deeper. Houston was a deeper team. I thought the pitching would be uh, somewhat equal, except for the depth that uh, Houston had. Um, I was, the guy I thought really, well, okay, let me back up just a little bit here. I thought Philadelphia, once they went home, that they had to win at least two.
one of the disappointments. I thought he was going to come through and help. And he just kind of was, you know, he just was kind of nondescript as far as I I mean, he didn't do horrible, but he just was, I, I expected more out of him. And, uh, and Nola didn't come through. Like I said, the pitching, Wheeler had, one, had that really good outing. But, yeah, and he got hammered one game, too. So, yeah, yeah. I just I thought it'd be more equal, and uh, I mean it was a hell of a series. But I just uh, yeah, I'm like Mr. Callis, not a big fan of uh, the garbage can scandal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you a question, guys, because I'm watching yeah. it from a perspective where I'm on my edge of my seat or pacing or whatever. So, from a, an objective point of view, guys who don't necessarily have skin in the game with the Astros and the Phillies, was it an entertaining series? Was it weird? Was it? I mean, you got the home run, but then you have a no-hitter, which hasn't happened in a long time. And then you have game five, and it, it, the five-run comeback in game one. I mean, what did you guys think of it from an entertainment yeah, standpoint? I, I thought so. I'll say that I thought so. It is a thing where uh, it was either game two or game three. Uh, I think it might have been Game Three, uh, where where Philadelphia just pulled like way ahead and everything. And uh, our mm-hmm. good friend, fellow FDH Lounge dignitary Russ Cohen, happened to tweet out that night that like I hope some laps baseball fans are watching. This is great entertainment. This is great. Way. And I t- I couldn't resist. I tweeted back and I'm like, dude, you pick the you pick the night when it's like five nothing and it's clear that there's not going to be a comeback. <laughs> so, you know. There, there were so there were exceptions to the rule, Joe. But I thought it was an entertaining series. I was kept engaged in it, and I, I thought it was. Uh, and again, again, and uh, just very well played uh, for the most part. And and again, I know there was some ineptitude at the plate and, and on both sides. But I think more often than not, that was due to great pitching rather than you know the ineptitude. So. I thought it was uh, very entertaining, uh, a very good but not great series in terms of entertainment. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd say. Sure. What would you say, Ken? Yeah, I would say, yeah. I, I thought that I thought that it came down to the pitching. I and mean, like I said, I just think Houston found their groove, so to speak. They just came in to have a combined no hitter. I just thought that was that was the death knell for Philly uh, because you know. After they hit those five home runs, Philadelphia, I thought, man, these guys are on it now. Now we're cooking. And right. We're gonna make, too. We're going to make a series out of this thing. And it's just like it went. It's like somebody just took a needle to the to the balloon and all the air came out. It was done. Exactly. Um, yep. And I just thought, and I thought Harper was going to come through again. And that's a lot of stress to put on a guy. Sure. As the leader. But that's why you're the leader. Yeah, um, exactly right. And then when you told me, Joe, when you told Rick and I here tonight, how anemic of a batting average the Phillies. Anemic. I mean, I mean, think about that. Since that's nine nine hits. Remember, they got no hit in one game, so you only have the the other two games, game five and six, got nine hits. It was, it was painful. It was painful. Oh, yeah. Painful, 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 and couldn't come through with just one hit against Verlander when he loaded the bases, had two men on here, another inning. They kept getting rallies, but all with two outs. It wasn't that difficult. And then they needed to get one runner in from 90 feet away to tie up game five with one out. And I told you, Marsh was awful. Worst at bat of the series. And, um, you know, there it is. I mean, game comes, 
series comes down to a few moments, and they, they Astro didn't blink. You know, with that well, Mancini well. play, the McCormick catch. I mean, they came through. Yeah, the and McCormick you know, catch. You know what? Mancini. Oh, the McCormick catch and Mancini, both of those, yeah. I mean, that was a one-two punch right there. And that yep. was a thing where you, you could just feel the air going out of the balloon, I felt like, at yep. that point. Yeah. And I just I think, too, Verlander teed that game up for him. I mean... Totally teed it up for him. It was yeah. there. I, I, it drove me nuts he, watching all this. Oh, he finally, after the game, he finally got his win. But shut up. He could, <laughs> he could have gotten so smart in this know. game. Again, he didn't have his stuff, and uh, the Phillies just let him off the hook. Meanwhile, oh my God, yes. I kept thinking he's, he's not going to last. He's not going to make it. And exactly. he kept going and going. And kept going. Gotta be right. Oh. I thought the same thing. <laughs> I, I had to laugh in the post-game interviews here, and we'll get the Dusty subsequently here, but when uh, Fox was interviewing on set uh, Justin Verlander, and then uh, up comes uh, Kate Upton, was anybody else feeling a little bit of shade towards uh, Giselle from her when they were asking, like, would you like to see your husband retire? Oh, my husband's an artist. I love watching a pitch. I hope he does it for as long as he wants to. Like, I'm thinking to myself. It was a total shot at Giselle. Just a total shot. Right. That wasn't just me seeing that then, right? No, it was a total shot. Yeah. It was a total shot. Yeah. You got that one, Rick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, look at that. I like the voiceover. I like that. Uh, it was good. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. I wasn't married, Rick. I'm telling you. My, my, my award-winning hey. Kate Upton impression. <laughs> Kate, Kate, hey, guys, Kate Upton was my hall pass with my wife, my, my ex-wife. So, you know, Rick, that, that didn't, you know. That's who has to bring that back up. <laughs> well, there, there you go. Yeah. And I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to keep this on a on a light note here. Uh, you had alluded to this before with Zach Wheeler, and this is a thing where, uh, in analytics and all of that, and uh, two falls ago in the World Series, uh, thanks to Kevin Cash, uh, we, we got a new verb in the baseball uh, vocabulary here, and it was third time throughed. Blake Snell got third time throughed by Kevin Cash, and we saw what happened there. Zach Wheeler got third yep. time throughed. Evidently, this is an even-year phenomenon in baseball. So I'm going to say, if you can get odds at any sports book right now, my early candidate for 2024, Walker Bueller, will be the guy to get third time through in the 2024 World Series. That's my pick. <laughs> I'm going out on a big win here. So, oh. you know, we're, we're, we're going to see that keep happening, I'm afraid. But, uh, you know, yeah, I, I thought immediately that was a mistake. I didn't need to see the results of it. Uh, again, Ken, flashing back to uh, Cleveland memories here. Sometimes you get scarred by things, and it wasn't a matter of third time through, but I imagine Philly fans after that were feeling like we did uh, when Brian Anderson got pulled in Game 7 of the 97 World Series. Everyone in Cleveland is simultaneously going, No! As Jose Mesa gets brought in. I know. As our and worst fears play out. <laughs> so... Oh my God! Managers but going you know, to the book, you know. Yeah. 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 But Joe, you can take some solace. I did see the Philly blue uniforms. Yeah. You did, I was thinking about you when they trotted them out. I was yes. thinking about, I was thinking about you. <laughs> I was thinking, sweet. Here we go. Here we I go. I'm all over. <laughs> I'd like to see Cal. I, you know. 
the better team, like I said, and we agree, probably won. But when I saw that, I saw, you know, I'm a baseball guy, like we all are. And sure. Like, and you've got little things like wear your hat this way and don't yep. change your uniform and because it's 30. Who cares? Because you will still win on a winning streak. And I thought, ah, here we go, Joe said. The blue unis. <laughs> and, the uh, blue unis, yep. yep. And even that failed them. Yeah, I know. It's uh, well, they tried. Um, they sure they did. Well, they look. They look good. <laughs> they look really they good. good. They did. But that game should have been the baby blue against the rainbow. It should have been both sides they doing it. They should have tried out the rainbow. How could yes. they have yeah. that? That would have been great. Yes, yes. Two, two of the right. greatest uniforms of all time going head to head. That would have been epic. And uh, <laughs> I got to see the baby yeah. blue. Uh, a couple of FDH Lounge dignitaries were watching game one together because uh, one of our boys, Ron Glasnap, uh, grew up uh, at least part of his youth in uh, the Philadelphia area as a fan, and he was sure. showing us his signed baby blue uh, Bob Boone jersey. So that was nice. pretty cool to get to nice. see. And, uh, I, I yeah, have to tug McGraw's jersey on for game six, you know, my baby blue tug. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it, oh, was, yeah. it was great getting to see them in there. And uh, as, as far as uh, moments that are uh, great to see, and uh, obviously, again, we all have our own partisanship here. So, I mean, there were parts of this. I know that in all of this, I'm going to preface by saying, Joe, probably nothing but the crushing disappointment afterwards. Probably not a sure. whole lot of room to feel good about anything, uh, particularly no. uh, for the other side. But the Dusty Baker thing, it does kind of strike me that there that was a moment in baseball, the likes of which uh, I think you tend more so to see in other sports. We came close to it two years ago with Chris Paul in the NBA where everybody would have been like, oh, that's the greatest thing ever to see him get to win. Like, right, I, don't remember, sure. I don't remember right. that happening as much in baseball the last you know several years or so. Maybe I'm missing something here, but I don't think baseball has had too many moments in recent memory. I mean, if you go further back, sure. But in recent memory, I don't know if we've seen anything quite like Dusty Baker uh, who's been around the periphery of a championship for as long, and to finally nail it down the way that it did. So what were you thinking about that part of it, Joe? Uh, you know, listen, I I watched him, it tells you how old I am, I remember when he was at the Dodgers playing against us with those teams, you know, sure. Ron Say yeah. and Davey Lopes. And, yes. And uh, so I didn't like him back then, but no, <laughs> he's, he, I've, seen him, I've seen him on the circuit, and listen, he, he seems like a really good dude. Um you know what I remember about this? This is going to be weird. I, I've never seen it before. I've never seen it since. But I remember a Tusty Baker was a game back got it must in the 70s. The Dodgers batted out of order. I've never seen that before. And I've never seen it since. They actually batted out of order. And I forget what, what they – I forget what what happens when they bat out of order. I mean, once somebody gets it's an extra out, or I forget what the actual consequences are. But he comes up next, first pitch home run. So it kind of—I just remember watching Dusty <laughs> Baker trot around the base pass after they batted out of order. Don't know why that was a memory that sticks out with me. Probably, probably because of the batting out of order. But no, he was—he was on one of those teams that used to beat us. At, you know, two of the three NLCSs that we were in in the '70s, and that was part of the, some great Dodger teams. I'm happy. You know, listen, it hurts, but you know, he's really—he's a real nice guy from all you know indications, and uh, he seems very gracious. And he's been around. He's taken a lot of teams to the postseason, I know it had to still sting, and it probably still stings. He was the manager of the Giants when they blew a five-run lead in the uh, seventh or eighth inning of uh, a closeout game against the against um, who, who 
Anaheim back in 2002. Yeah. They were, uh, you know, six outs away, and they were had a five-run lead, and that was Barry Bonds' team, and uh, they didn't get it done. So he came close before. He had to wait 21, or actually 20 years, 22 decades to, to get finally get the ring. So, yes. uh, I mean, good for him. I mean, he's, you know, baseball lifer and been around, and uh, it seems like he's universally loved, so, you know. Yeah. And, you know, he wasn't part of the cheating scandal, so I'm cool, I'm cool with us. That's I made all, my peace with him. Yeah, that's how I feel yeah. about it. And then this is why I'm glad I asked the question, man. That's some great memories about uh, that you have from back. I mean, a random as hell memory about uh, batting out of order. Totally random. But completely is, random. Well, but that's gold, though. There's gold in the random <laughs> recollections. What other show are you going to get that on other than this one? So I, I love that. And, uh, again, and not only that, 2002, 2003, it was the Steve Bartman game. He was managing the Cubs the next year. So, He's had a lot oh, of heartbreaks oh, when things have been on dude, the verge. That's, and, uh, good I, memory. That's, that's, a, that's another tough one to swallow. Wow. Well, yeah. Wow. They, they, he lost Game 6 and Game 7 at home last year against Atlanta. So there's that. So it's a matter of uh, all these different things coming into play uh, that, that, that he's had, all of these near misses. And, uh, again... Uh, just somebody who is, as you said, very well respected, very uh, beloved around the game of baseball. Uh, Ken, as a baseball lifer uh, yourself, uh, thoughts on, yeah. on seeing someone that I would think of as sort of a kindred spirit of Dusty Baker, somebody who loves the game and has yeah. as much longevity in it as you, to see something like that? What were your thoughts? Well, a couple of things stood out. It, it was really nice and heartwarming to see him get his, you know, put a exclamation mark on his career managing playing everything because just like joe i remember watching him play uh he was a good ball player didn't you know he was in national league so i didn't have that much of a, a thing that phillies might philly fans might have had like joe but uh yeah you know he you could tell that the players absolutely loved him mm-hmm. and, uh, and also what stood out too and i didn't know this um, until um, somebody had mentioned this later, that he waited until he filled out to the end of the game, and then he filled out his his uh, scorecard that he's always writing in during mm-hmm. the game. So now that was a keepsake. He didn't just cut it off and go out and celebrate right away. Oh wow! That, How about um, that? He has that forever now, and I didn't know that. But one of the pundits put that out there, and I was like, you know. And, and last but not least, you know, as much as I call about the garbage can scandal uh, with the with the Astros, he was the right guy at the right time, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because you could put some other knuckle or apple head out there and run this team, and you know, they still could have won. But it was just nice to see one of the good guys come through with that. I would absolutely agree, and. The more I've been hearing about it in recent days, the more I'm almost, you know, thinking that, uh, again, you know, there, there could be a movie in there because, you know, as far as him the last couple of years, the interval between Washington and getting that job, uh, just being a guy in a front office, didn't know if he'd ever manage again. I guess he was quoted after the World Series as saying most teams that he was taking over in his career were reclamation teams and he didn't think he had it in him to, to go through another situation like that, that teams with a lot of talent, those jobs don't often come available. So right, sure. just the unlikelihood well, of how it happened, you know, it's just, 
you know, is just really, really incredible for him to take over a team that uh, was very, very talented and just needed the right guy to help take him over the top. And, uh, you know, I have to say that in the course of having this discussion here, uh, Joe, uh, as I postulated at the very uh, beginning here, I am glad to say in talking to you, uh, your state of mind significantly better than mine. When I was recapping uh, the uh, 2017 NBA Finals on the show, I remember saying to you and Callis at the time uh, that I had on probably about a 36-hour loop. Like We just all have songs that we identify as being depressing songs, right? Yeah, and, and, and of course. Some, some songs that sort of just, in, in some sort of way, just sort of symbolize the end of an era or, or whatever. And I had just sure. so cherished having my team be a champion that entire year. I just hung on to that. My team is the defending sure. champions. Uh, so I remember saying, and I remember Callis being a little nonplussed by it, not quite getting it, but I said, <laughs> I've, been, I've been listening to Billy Joel, and it was specifically the Down Easter Alexa for like 36 uh, hours. I just, remember that. That's right. Just that's drowning right. my sorrow. Every time just, I hear that song, that's exactly right. Because it's where did you come up with that song? Down I don't know, man. It's just like such a depressing <laughs> song. And it's just, it's all about the end of something. And it's all about like it's the depressing thing. And it's all over now. And it's all, every, everything that's good is dead. <laughs> like that's, that's where I was. That's where I was at the time. I didn't even want to do a recap show, but I knew that I had to, because what am I going to do? Punk out just because it's my team that took it in the tuckest right, show. Right, sure. You know, yeah, no, it's just, I, I'm yeah. so glad you're doing so much better than I was at the time. Uh, of course, you, you've, had a oh, few yeah. more, you've had a few more championships in Philly in your lifetime than I've had here, so I guess that might be. Oh, yeah. Not know. many, but you're right. There's been a kind of, I, I went to Villanova, too, so I sprinkle in a couple Nash, a couple NCAA titles, so I've, you know, I've been fed a little bit lately, but uh, yeah. it hurts. <laughs> I'm not going to rely to you. I mean, this is actually therapeutic, listening to it okay. on radio or talking about it. When I used to go on the air after it, this is it, it is therapeutic. You know, no one brings this up. I I don't know why I remember this because they show the stat of teams who go, who win the first game of a World Series. They go on to win close to seventy percent of the series. It's like sixty eight percent, I believe. Yep. Well, the last four World Series that the Phillies have lost, they won the first game. Three of them except for the Toronto Blue Jays. They beat the Orioles in game one in Baltimore then got then lost the next four. The Yankees they beat in game one with Cliff Lee when he did the little flip catch with the ball, little pop fly. And then they, they, they beat the Astros. And, you know, 70% of the teams win, three of the four, now we're, we're on the other end. We're like the 30% that win those games and, and don't win the series. So this one stings. It's going to sting. But, you know, again, this is therapeutic, believe me. Well, good, good. I'm glad we could uh, do that. I'm glad we could be there for I appreciate you. And, that. You know, again, it's it's a team that uh, you know they, they got some work to do here in the off season, but uh, they have an excellent sure. chance of being back in the mix uh, next year. And uh, this, uh, I, I will say, uh, probably in a couple of weeks here, we'll be reconvening with uh, Ken Detweiler and Steve Callis, doing a little bit of a look back at the season as a whole. And uh, this will save uh, Steve Callis from having to mention that it was a third place team in the National League East that won the World Series because. <laughs> he, well, he's, I got to be honest, he's, he's not happy about the win, but he did pick the Astros at six, so I gave him some props for that. Yeah. yeah. But he hates, because he, 
man, no one has a more visceral or trigger reaction to the Astros yeah. than him. He, I don't know. He just he goes nuts when you mention the Astros. There's only four oh, yeah. guys or four or five guys left from that team. No, I mean he's yeah. you know it's, yeah it's yeah. Well, yeah, you know, not, uh, yeah, they're not. It's not to call 45s anymore. You know, well, it's true, yeah. yeah no. Well, you know, <laughs> look, part of it is him being a New Yorker, him being a Yankee fan, uh, he doesn't have the barrier to Astros' hatred that I do. Because for me, uh, the Astros have been the team trying to keep the Yankees and the Red Sox out of the World Series the last couple of years. And again, there was, yeah. that, there was that playoff series with the Indians in 2018. And there, there's a lot of irrational people in Cleveland they are like, we would have beat the Astros if not for that. Like, I hate to tell you, bro, uh, if, if you played at the best of 999, the Indians weren't beating the Astros in that series. Okay? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, they beat the dog crap out of them. So, you know. I was, I, I'm going off topic here, but if you would uh, indulge me, sure. I uh, was looking up stuff like Fida Blue, who was the last switch hitter that went – won the MVP in the American League mm-hmm. as a switch hitter. So I won money at beer or beers a lot of time back in the day, and I thought, do I have that right or not? I looked it up, okay. and then I started going. I found out that um, Dusty uh, had his first major league game as a manager on April 6, 1993, against the Cardinals. The leadoff hitter was Geronimo Pena, the dad of this year's MVP. No kidding. That's that's oh. outstanding information. That's incredible. Uh, and and the other thing that I find somewhat interesting and not just really associated with that little fun fact is is Dusty coming back next year? Or is he done? His, his contract is up as I was researching him. I, I think he's coming it's back. Good question. The GM supposedly, because uh, the owner may or may not want to go in another direction, Jim Crane, which would be asinine. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. There's more questions about the GM, although I suspect he'll be back. I strongly believe Dusty will be back because, uh, from what I was reading, Ken, the consensus seems to be that Dusty's been the kind of guy where if he gets one, he's going to want to get more than one. So, I mean, here's the funny thing, and and I'll say this to you, uh, Joe, and I know that, uh, you know, you you've, uh, haven't covered all the uh, the major sports there in the Philly area over a period of time. What it wouldn't surprise me is if Dusty Baker now turns into Joel Quenville. Because remember how long that dude had the futility monkey on his back? I mean, yeah, he was a guy that, that my, right. my Red Wings... Yeah. Three cups. My Red Wings yeah. used them for a chew toy for most of the time in St. Louis. <laughs> and then he turns around and becomes the genius in Chicago with multiple cups. Maybe that's yep. Dusty's arc. Maybe Dusty's final act is to become Joel Quenville and being a guy who's primarily remembered, believe it or not, for multiple championships. Uh, I think that's, that's way more that likely could be, than him. That could very well, absolutely, walking sure. Walking away. Do, do, you, do you think he's going to walk away now, uh, Joe? Because I don't get that. Uh, I, I don't. I mean, um, from all indications, he, he's sitting on a pretty good situation there. And sure. Unless he's got, you know, like Giselle at home banging his ear. Why? I mean, what's the <laughs> purpose of that? I mean, he's been a baseball guy. He's a lifer. He you is. Know? Yeah. He's, uh, yeah. And he's still sitting on top of the world. He's got the Astros. uh uh, underneath them, and that team's been great for 
I mean, you know, the cheating scandal aside, I mean, they keep they keep bringing up guys and, and, and switching out guys, and their pitching staff is still incredible. And um, you know, I think I think he's sitting in a good situation. I wouldn't uh, unless he doesn't seem to have any health issues or anything or anything else pressing. So I could see him coming yeah. back absolutely. Well, and well, he's almost he's almost got a what do we call a new dynasty. I yeah. Mean, what, 2017 and now this year? And, and has the chance. That qualifies as a dynasty. Well, but, uh, two, two pennants also in there, and, and the chance to make it iron oh, yeah. by winning more World Series. Here's the thing, Ken. If you have any doubts whatsoever that he might want to come back, all he has to do is glance north in that state. You talk about somebody who has nothing left to prove. Bruce Bochy is coming back. Bruce Bochy, I knew you were going to say that. Why, what's the purpose ah. of that? Yeah. What is the purpose of that? He's a lifer. I, I guess mean, he's just, he just wants, yeah, another lifer. He is. And he that's was, where, uh, and this is one of these things where, listen, I know the last couple of years in, in San Francisco, they were kind of trending down. But let's be perfectly honest, that none of the three Giants teams actually, and you remember, Joe, because they played Philly in the postseason uh, at least the one time, uh-huh. uh, none of those Giants teams were dominant on paper. Uh, they, they really, and it's, it's so funny because in like with guys like Barry Zito on the roster, a lot, especially in, yeah. the, in the early part of their run, a lot of their salary was inefficient salary, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. So it's like you look at it and they trended down in his later years, but the talent level there, I mean, you, you, yes, you'd have Bumgarner, you'd have Posey, you'd have the exceptions to the rule, but those teams were never bulging with talent the way that, uh, that Houston is. I mean, and I'd say that this right. Phillies team is probably comparable in talent to those San Francisco teams. So I wondered at the end, like, is Bruce Bochy somewhat getting kind of, uh, you know, scapegoated here? And if so, how unjustifiable is that? Three World Series titles, he should be able to walk away whenever. Yeah. So I don't know if they nudged him out the door or not, but they look pretty dumb if they did nudge him out the door. If he still wants to manage, he should have been able to keep managing there. So oh, totally agree. I mean, he did yeah. a phenomenal job. They won like three and five years, three and six years. Yeah. I mean, um, but by the way, we you know when I when I think another random uh, felt Bruce Bochy was the catcher for the Astros in the '80 series against the Phillies. There's a shot of Pete Rose running him over, like in Game Five <laughs> or Game Four in extra innings, and he yeah. Bochy wasn't wasn't able to short hop a throw from home, and Pete didn't care. He just you know. Oh, something fell. Sorry, uh, so he just leveled them. But yeah, Bro Bochi was the catcher. Uh, if we're going to tie things into our World Series, but no, I agree. It, it makes me think, like, what the hell? Why would you go back to and coach the Rangers? And you yeah. had a good job. You had a good gig there in San Fran, where you won three titles. So that's something that might might surface, or maybe he just did. You know, actually retired. Maybe he's like, you know what? Um, I can't get it out of my blood. I got the itch. I need to, you know, get back into it. I don't know. Uh, Interesting uh, question, though. On behalf of all of catchers, all catchers everywhere, for solidarity, he should have given Rose a forearm shiver when he came in and said, "This one's for Ray Fossey." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, That's exactly okay. right. I, saw, <laughs> I remember seeing that game, and he, I like, did he too, right? Yeah, I remember that game. That's when the All Star game was like, you know, it meant something. Well, it meant something to me. I, you know, I was into it. It was. I did players sure. played the win and whatnot, and Rose always played the win. But yeah, you're exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. You said two All Star games. And uh, yeah, 
that's what this game keeps giving us are these uh, great memories, and uh, there will be yeah. many memorable moments that we will carry forward from this 2022 World Series. But uh, it is always a gem. It is always a great thing here to be able to discuss with a panel such as this. So Ken Detweiler, Joe Stazak, cannot thank you guys enough. Really, really appreciate it. A great review as well as preview of the 2022 World Series from you two guys. Very grateful for that. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1541.